Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Well, good morning, everybody. I am happy to be here with you today. As Pastor Pat said, I am Noah Allen. I'm the youth pastor here, and hey, they let me speak again. I'm the youth pastor up here. They let me speak. We don't know what's going to happen, right? And man, I tell you what, after being after Pastor Rob last week and he had his illustrations, well, look what we have here. But that's for the end. So, you know, don't lose focus. All right. Let's pray as we open up the word this morning. Lord, what a privilege it is to be here and to bring your word to your people. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, but Lord, that you would be on the hearts of each and every person today. Lord, it doesn't matter how well things are spoken, Lord, if our, if our ears are not able to hear, if our hearts are not able to receive. And Lord, as we heard in the treehouse, we pray, Lord, that you would enable us today to have controlled hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to ask the question at the very beginning. This is something that maybe we've all asked. How far is too far? Right? How far can I go? And this is a question that often teenagers ask after their first date. You know, this is a question that singles might ask when they're dropping off their date at their apartment. And this is a question that maybe TV watchers should be asking when we're choosing TV shows. And so before we ask how far is too far, I want to tell you how far have we gone? Let's answer that question first. And so I'm going to pick on one brand. It's not because the brand is bad. It's because it's the one that's most widespread. All right. And so statistically, Netflix is in 52% of your homes. All right. So 52% of your homes, in case you're bad at math, that's more than half. And 61% of the content on Netflix is rated TV mature, TVMA. That's what that means. And so again, 61% if you're bad at math, that's more than half, right? That means most of the content on the most popular uh, uh, website that we use is mature content. And so when we're thinking about the TV MA rating, maybe you're like, I don't really know what that means. Well, either sexual scenes, nudity, or, and or severe language. That's what TV MA means. And so if we step back for a second, and we recognize the, wor the words that our world uses to describe the TV shows and the movies that we watch. Maybe you've heard this. You know, it's TV mature, right? It's for the mature. Or maybe you'll hear something like adult TV shows. So as long as you're an adult, right? As long as you're 18 years old, you're good. Or maybe this is the most ridiculous one to me. Maybe appropriate for 17 and under. You don't say, right? You don't say. It definitely is inappropriate. And so... What is another way to say this? As long as you are 18, you can watch anything and everything. These are intended for you because you can assuredly handle the content because you're an adult and you are mature, right? That's what the TV ratings are telling us. As long as you're mature, you can watch anything that you want. And that's just Netflix. I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even talking about certain websites. And I understand right now we have the Treehouse video, and I understand that there are kids in the room. So I'm going to be, uh, some language I'm going to be using is somewhat coded, all right? Because I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody's ears bleeding, but I also want to communicate truthfully to you 
today. And so certain websites, you guys know what I mean, 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to these certain websites before 18 years old. All right, 93% of boys. That's 93 out of 100. And get this, the average age that a kid is exposed to adult websites is 11 years old. All right, 11 years old. And so the reason that that statistic pops out to me the most is because I'm the youth pastor here at Bethesda. I'm in charge of ages 12 through 18. So that means that the average age that people are exposed to these websites is before they ever enter the youth department, right? That means that the average age people are exposed to this is in the treehouse age, in the Kings Island treehouse age. 70% of men my age view these websites at least once a month, but that's not even the biggest target. The, The people that watch it the most are men 35 to 49 years old. And before you think it's just men, one-third of users are women. And so these are just adult websites. I'm not talking about the popular social media websites that function on a 17-plus rating, right? These websites are intended to, uh, to suck you in, right? But there are other websites that have a 17-plus rating. Maybe you have never heard of this before. Websites like Twitter, websites like Reddit, there is everything on those websites. And though they're not intended for, you know, a certain Thing. I, I don't even want to say it. I'm, I'm trying to be careful. Though they're not intended just for that, it's all over. All right, it's all over. And so these websites are, are even more popular. And, and the thing about these websites, when we're talking about social media websites, is when you look at someone's profile, these portray it as normal, right? This is normal. It's normal to take a picture like this. It's normal to do this and post it online. It's a normal thing of people's lives. And so I remember thinking as a kid, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Once I was an adult, I could watch anything that I wanted, right? Anything and everything. There was no longer a limit on what I could watch. And that there would be nothing that was off the table. And why did I think that? I think probably because the rating tells me so. PG-13, hey, as long as I'm 13. Rated R, as long as I'm 17. Right, because the rating told me so as soon as I was 18, I could watch anything that I want. And so this is how far we've gone, and I'm speaking just about media, right? Just about Netflix, just about certain websites, things like that. That's how far we go when we decide how far is too far. All right, are you with me? All right, so what I want to say today is clearly lust is a pandemic right? Lust is a pandemic, and I did not choose that word on accident, right? As we're dealing with COVID-19 right now, I want you to know that probably the most popular sin in the church, probably the most popular thing that people are hiding is lust in their hearts. And this is increasingly popular even among pastors, Christian leaders, preachers. And if you've seen the news, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? It's not even any longer just men 35 to 49. It's 70, 75-year-old leaders are falling and, and, and their lives are being unearthed because they find out they have the secret sexual sin in their lives. Right? So we're thinking about lust as a pandemic. We're thinking about, you know, I'm comparing it to COVID. Guys, we care so much more about the physical well-being being of ourselves than we do about our spiritual Right? How many walked in with masks and, and hand sanitized their hands and sprayed their chair, essential oil the heck out of the place? Right? We care so much about the physical well-being of our, of our bodies, but our spiritual souls are dying. 
right? Our kids are dying. People are dying left and right. And yeah, you don't have COVID-19, but you're sick inside, right? And so that's why, guys, lust is a pandemic. And if you didn't hear those statistics, maybe it's the first time you've heard the statistics. I want you to know it's way more popular than you think. Lust takes a far greater toll than any disease on the body ever could. And today we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about lust. And so if you, in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with me, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going right back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30 are the verses we're going to be going through. And while you're turning there, I want to give you a little preview of what's been going on. Pastor Pat talked two weeks ago, and Pastor Rob, you did an awesome job last week, but you spoke from Matthew 7, and I'm speaking from Matthew 5. So he was, our, he was, a future, he was in the future. So I'm, I'm referencing Pastor Pat two weeks ago, and as he was talking about what should we do as Christians with the Old Testament law, right? That's what he was saying. What do we do with these first five books of the Bible? If we're Christians, should we tear it out? Should we throw it away? Right. Absolutely not. That's exactly what we're not supposed to do. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, throw them out, but to fulfill them. And so that means that now, this is coming from a very famous pastor, therefore the law is now not the path to righteousness. Christ is. The ultimate goal of the law is that we would look to Christ, not law-keeping for our righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, all right? So Jesus is going into some of the laws and he's not throwing them out, but he's actually gonna be expounding on them. And that's what we're gonna see over the next coming weeks. As we're opening up the Sermon on the Mount, he's gonna be taking these laws and he's not throwing them out. He's actually saying, yeah, that, but even, even more so. He's changing from the law of the Moses to the law of righteousness. And so how far is too far? And so today's topic is very much, as you'll see, is focused on sexual lust. And again, I know there's people in this room that are maybe not of age to death, so I'm gonna do my best. But I wanna tell you today, I could stand up here, I could talk about money, I could talk about power, I could talk about popularity and all these different kind of lusts that are popular in our world. But I think the lust that Jesus addresses here is on purpose, all right? And it's, and it's easy for me to talk about money, power, and everything else. But let's not be shy to address what needs to be addressed while doing so with tact this morning, amen? All right? And so we are gonna read the first couple of verses. These are verses 27 through 28. Go ahead and throw them up on the screen. They say this. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So first of all, why does God say that we should not commit adultery? I think, first of all, it upholds the sanctity of marriage, right? Nobody wants to be married if you're worried that, hey, there's really no promise there at all, right? It upholds the sanctity of marriage. Secondly, it protects the union of one flesh, right? I think increasingly there's, there's less and less couples that are coming together as one flesh, and this is something that we need to protect, right? We need to protect as the people of God, especially parents with your children. Let's protect the possibility for people to have that one flesh union. And then thirdly, I think, why do we not commit adultery? Because I think this protects women from becoming objects to be enjoyed, and rather, instead, they become image bearers to be treasured, right? Women are not objects to be enjoyed, but they're people. They're, they're image bearers of God to be treasured. 
And so Jesus is not throwing out that law altogether. In fact, he's up in the law by saying, yeah, don't touch her. Yeah, at least don't touch her. But even more so, don't even let your mind think about touching her. Right? Don't even let your mind get there. And how many know that even if your hands are idle, even if you've learned how to control your hands, your mind can wander. Right? Even if your hands are still, your mind can wander. And where do wandering minds lead? And I think, I think most sin is premeditated. I think most sin is premeditated. You know, I think teenagers, the plans that you have that one night that you know your parents are gonna be gone for an hour or two, or maybe your, pl- your, your parents are gone altogether. And I think husbands, when, you're, you, when you know your wife is gonna be gone or you're on a business trip and you know that you have a few extra hours all to yourself, or maybe singles, when you drop your date off at their apartment and they're single, right? The battle starts in the mind. And so even if our hands are idle, our minds can wander. And so we have to protect what's going on in our hearts and our mind. We cannot let it wander. And I just want to be real with you, right? Maybe this is a little uncomfortable, right? I started dating Taylor at 15 years old. Bad idea? Yeah, probably. But it worked for us. I wouldn't recommend it. How many times did I make a decision the night before understanding the time frame that I would have? Right? I would battle, oh man, I know that I'm gonna have a couple free hours. And I would battle the night before. I'm making the decision to, to or not to sin the day before I was even there. Right? And so we have to win that battle in our minds. Sometimes I made the right decision, sometimes I made the wrong decision. And maybe that's uncomfortable, parents, Taylor's parents, but I'm just being honest, right? And so I'm not coming at it from a place of I've never lusted in my life. I'm just preaching at you guys not to do it. No, this is something that I've dealt with, right? I'm a young guy. When Pastor Pat called me, hey, can you talk about lust? I'm like, why me, right? Why me? This is something that we all deal with, though. And so why is Jesus saying don't lust? It's because the decision to lust often ends with a sin of action, right? So we have to protect what's going on in the mind or else the actions will soon follow. And so there's a quote that says this, for here, Jesus raises the bar by asserting that righteousness is a matter of both heart and conduct, right? He he reminds us that God wants our heart, not just our will. And so if a lot of the times, if your faith, if your faith is just trying to do the, the right thing, if you're just trying to do the right thing, look good on the outside, but if your heart is filthy, right, this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants your heart, not just your will. Jesus wants all of you. And so I do want to define lust. I think lust, we're about 15 minutes in already. I should probably define lust so we know what we're talking about. All right, and this is by, this is by a pastor, and he says this, that lust is a desire that we should not have because it is untethered from the purifying effects of Christ and is therefore directed to the wrong object, or it is so out of proportion or unsuited to its object as to disorder our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And so I'm gonna unpack that a little bit. Lust is something that we shouldn't have because first of all, it's untethered to the purifying effects of Christ. Like Lust is something that we have not allowed Christ to purify within us. It's untethered, right? You ever seen a, you ever seen a kid on a leash at the zoo, right? You ever see, anybody seen that before? A kid on a leash or at an, air, at an airport? That's a new thing, right? If you don't have your kid on a leash, apparently they're gonna run away. 
right? Untethered. It's untethered. Apparent, you know, so th- that's exactly what happens, right? If, if we have this lust in our hearts, untethered from the purifying effects of Christ. We haven't let it happen. And then, therefore, it's directed to the wrong object. So there's two different kinds of lust. It could be either at the wrong object, something that is not yours, never will be, or something that is yours, but it's so blown out of proportion that it disorders your thoughts, feelings, and actions, all right? And so that's what we're defining lust as, as today, And so our first point this morning, there's only going to be two points. The first point is that we need to examine our hearts. Examine our hearts because our actions reveal what our heart loves. Our actions reveal what our heart loves. And so we can see clearly that adultery is a sin, right? I don't think anybody's like, nah, I think that's debatable, right? No, everybody understands that adultery is clearly a sin. But Jesus says that even lusting is a sin. You've already committed adultery when you've even shown chosen to entertain that in your heart and in your mind. And so, okay, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? How can we prevent lust in our lives? How can we battle lust in our lives? Because I'm telling you, people are still going to be pretty. And I'm telling you, opportunities are still going to be present. And summer always comes back around, if you know what I mean. All right, so there's these things. There's always going to be the thing. So how can we prevent lust? And let's go to the next couple of verses, and we'll find out. It says this, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And so at this point, as we're talking about cutting off our hands, hey, production team, will you guys bring out the guillotine? No, we're not doing that. Right, so we, you see, it's a little crazy. Really? Cut off our hands, gouge out our eyes? That's a little extreme, Jesus. And so, let me just say this. This is called a hyperbole. If you've never heard of a hyperbole, it's called exaggeration to make a point. Right, and so we're not gonna bring a guillotine out. We are not supposed to actually remove our body parts. All right, and I say that because some people have, and I don't think that's a good application of it. What does it mean, though? So we are, we, I want to acknowledge the hyperbole and say that, you know, we're not actually supposed to do that, but at the same time to emphasize the seriousness of it, right? Jesus is making a point, but he's saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't actually cut off your hand, but whatever is causing you to sin, get rid of it, right? Get rid of anything. And so don't cut off your actual hand, but understand what's at stake. I don't know if you picked it up in that verse. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And so we're talking, as we think about lust, as we think about one of these sins that is so pervasive in the church, and the culture, we got to understand that sin and lust leads to hell, right? We're not talking about a minor sin as if there was one, right? We're talking about something that, that leads towards hell. And so this is something that we have to deal with ASAP and fully. Jesus wants us to eliminate the patterns of sin that we deal with. And so often we have patterns that we repetitively sin in, and then the reality is that we should be eliminating that so we can save our soul. And so something that I find interesting, especially guys, I'm the youth pastor, right? I deal with um, people that are, again, 12 through 18. And these, these are uh, oftentimes people that really are dealing with internet pornography and things like that. Often the patterns that people sin in are the same patterns they're trying to repent in, right? And so 
uh, if it's in their room, right? If it's in their room late at night and they have hours, they're trying not to sin or they do sin. And then the next night, they still have hours again in the room with their phone. How can you sin and repent in the same pattern, right? No wonder this is an addiction that has caused people to be enslaved for lifetimes, for decades, because we often don't take the, the instruction of Jesus to remove, to cut off, right? How can you repent and how can you sin and then try to repent in the same pattern? And so I think the idea is to eliminate your hindrance. That's point number two, eliminate your hindrance. And so there was a book that I was reading recently, and this man is from the 1600s. I updated the language a little bit so that you'll track with me, all right? Don't freak out. Don't tune me out already. He's talking about eliminating the occasion of sin. The occasion is uh, stumbling upon the opportunity to sin. So he says this, ordinarily, there's no victory over sin without the soul turning from the occasion of sin. God will not remove the temptation to sin except if you turn from the occasion to sin. It is a just and a righteous thing with God that he who should fall into the pit is he who adventures to dance upon the edge of the pit. And he that becomes a slave to sin is he that will not flee from the occasion of sin. As long as there is fuel in our hearts for a temptation, we cannot be secure. He who has gunpowder about him better keep far away from the sparks. And this is the line I really want you to hear. It is seldom that God keeps a soul from the acts of sin who will not keep away from the occasions of sin. He who adventures upon the occasions of sin is he who would quench the fire with gasoline. And then he says, oh, flee from the occasions of sin. We hear the plea of the author. And so maybe if that went over your head a little bit, I wanna paint a picture for you. The one who dances on the side of a cliff, right? The one who is the one who's gonna fall. Right, the one who's, one who's trying to get as close to sin as they can without crossing that line is the one that crosses and falls. And the one, right, what was the other example he used? The one who tries to quench a fire with gasoline is the one who's gonna get burned. And so don't go to the line of sin. Maybe you're asking that question, how far is too far? Well, don't go to the line of sin right? Run from it. And if you're close, eventually you are going to fall. And maybe it's not even fall, but maybe it's just a tiptoe. Maybe it's just a tiptoe over that. And if you're close to the fire, you will burn, right? And so this author is just saying, run from it. Instead of how far is too far, he says, don't go at all, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us. So, and parents, even if you're past this, even if you're quote unquote past the lust of, or the sin of lust, even though I don't think anyone ever is. And if you, again, if you've seen headlines recently, you know it doesn't matter if you're 70 years old. It doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you speak on the Bible day in and day out. It does not matter. No one is immune from lust. All right, but even if you feel like you're past this, parents, understand that you have a responsibility to protect your children. If the average age that kids see these things is before they ever make it to the youth group, their minds start to grow up in it. And it's not very easy for an 11-year-old curious mind to never go back to that, right? They're gonna be curious. Hey, I gotta check that out again. And they're gonna start growing up in it. And so unless you have conversations as a parent, unless you understand what your, your, your child is actually going through, it's not a guarantee that they're doing it, but 93% of boys and 62% of girls have seen it. You don't know how many students I talk to that, that are dealing with this, right? You don't know how many, and I'm not gonna mention names. I'm not gonna mention 
how many people in the group. And so you start weighing the odds. Eh, is my kid? I'm not going to do that. But I want you to understand that inherently your child is not a good kid. All right, I'm going to hide behind. I don't want to get punched for that. Your child is not a good kid. And it's not because I hate your kid. It's because we're, none of us are good, right? None of us are good. We all have a predisposition to sin, right? And the wages of sin is death. There is not one person who has ever gone without sin, except the man we're going to talk about in a minute, right? Your child is not a good kid. We all have this inherent uh, disposition to sin. And so the prowling lion is devouring them, right? Devouring him or her every single night through the device on the other side of the wall. And so I, I just hope, parents, grandparents, I hope that you're not ignorant to think that, not my kid, not my, my, my kid wouldn't do that. 93% of boys, 62% of girls. Well, Pastor Noah, I don't exactly understand what I'm supposed to do about all this. Well, I'm glad you asked. All right, for some of you, for some of you, maybe you need a flip phone. I thought about going to Motorola or wherever there might be a flip phone, having a box here. But honestly, I don't even know where to go get those things anymore, right? Maybe some of you need a flip phone. And I want you to understand this. You are not entitled to a smartphone. All right, I know it's 2021. I know everybody has. You are not entitled to a smartphone. If you can't handle it, get rid of it, right? Cut off your hand, right? Maybe I think some people actually would rather cut off their hand than get rid of their smartphone. I think their smartphone is more important than the actual fingers on their hand. You are not entitled to a smartphone. So if you can handle it, love it, love it. Use it, use it for the glory of God. But if you can't, get rid of it. Get one of those old flip phones. You can throw at the wall and it'll still work, right? Maybe you can help it with a little anger management too, right? And so for some of you, maybe if you can't handle going to the beach, don't go to the beach, right? You don't have to go just because it's summer. You can do other things. You can play tennis. Maybe if you can't handle tennis, uh, go to cold water where people wear wetsuits. I don't know. Do what you have to do, right? Don't just go because that's what we do in America. You are responsible for your own soul. So maybe some of you, hey, maybe it's no TV. Maybe it's limiting the internet on your phone. Maybe it's having accountability partners. There's a bunch of software that can help you with that. And so maybe you're thinking, no TV, no phone? That sounds boring. Maybe. Maybe temporarily it is, but I can tell you there's freedom in that. If that's what you need, there's freedom in that. And, and for those who are not trapped in lust, for those who are not trapped in lust, maybe you're thinking, this guy's crazy. Phone, TV, I'm just gonna throw it all out. Maybe you think I'm crazy. But for the souls in this room that have been trapped in lust for years, for the souls crying out for help, hear me today, it's available. Freedom is available for you, even if it's been five, 10, 50 years that you've been trapped in the sins of lust. I'm telling you, it's available to you. Freedom is available to you. So if you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm not doing any of that, hey, that's fine. But I'm talking to those of you who need help today. Eliminate the hindrances today. Hey, drive a different way home if you have to. Bring a friend with you on a business trip. Uh, set up an accountability services. There's a lot of ways. Just do something, right? Just do something. It is only once the things causing you to sin are cut off from your life and locked away that you can begin to experience life beyond bars. All right, I'm gonna say that one more time because I wrote it and I like it. It is only once the things causing you to sin are cut off from your life and locked away 
that you can begin to experience life beyond bars. And that's true freedom, amen? And so I wanna tell you today, guys, this is not a self-help message. This is not how to overcome lust. I don't care about self-help messages. This is a don't go to hell message, right? This is a don't go to hell message. This is a don't let the, the lust that's in your heart drive you all the way to hell, right? This is not a self-help message. This is a Jesus is here for you and he can change your heart. There's freedom in the name of Christ. That's what kind of message this is today. And so if all you're doing is walking away saying like, all right, maybe I'll get covenant eyes on my phone. Hey, that's great, but you missed it, right? This is, you missed it. This is a spiritual matter. There's a lot more going on. Jesus wants to hold you, not just part of you. Don't miss the seriousness of lust and eliminate the hindrances. Eliminate the hindrances. Jesus was, was harsh with it. Cut off your hand if you have to. So since we're in, a, we're in a series called Life Apps, here's three. First one, halt. Anybody know this one? Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Recognize that when you are hungry, when you are angry, lonely, and tired, there is a tendency to gravitate towards things that are not good. All right, and so this is, I think, something that's part of sometimes uh, AA meetings and stuff like that. Halt, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, recognize that you might be on a bad path. So recognize these things. Hey, call someone. Hey, man, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling something. Call up, call up a pal. Call up a pal that can help you. Maybe... Halt, all right? The second one, cut off what keeps you from holiness. Cut off what keeps you from holiness. And I'm telling you, overcoming sin, especially in the area of lust like this, is not about understanding your weaknesses. It's not about understanding your personality types. It's not even about understanding your brain, right? How many books are written about your brain on pornography, your brain on this, your brain, your brain, your brain? And you can read yourself to death about the chemicals that are floating through your brain and still do it. Right, Just because you know things doesn't mean it's going to change the way that you act. It's cutting off the hindrances. Right? So read, read yourself to death. Read yourself to death. But unless something actually takes place, it doesn't do anything. You can be the smartest dumb person out there. The trick, of, cut, uh, the trick of, of eliminating lust in your life is not a secret. It's not a secret. It's not, it's not a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, I'm going I'm to call up a pastor. I'm going to figure out what is the secret for overcoming lust. Here it is. Avoid the occasion of sin. Cut it off. Avoid the occasion of sin. Number three, and this is the most important life application I can give any of you today. Number three, believe that freedom from lust is possible. Believe that freedom from lust is possible. Praise God. I almost wrote that on the end of that, but I don't think that really is uh, part of the application. Praise God, all right? Believe that freedom from lust is possible. Again, it does not matter how long that you've been stuck in the sin. Believe that freedom from lust is possible. There is no sin that is unconquerable with Christ. There is no sin that is off the table. There is no sin that is too bad that Christ cannot fix. And so here's the trick. Here, maybe if there's any trick, here's the trick. Get with Jesus. Get with Jesus. Intimacy with him is greater than any other. And the second that you trade intimacy with a phone, with a computer, with a person, the second that you trade that intimacy and you instead go to God, instead you, you go to his word, you start spending time in prayer, you're gonna find a much greater intimacy than you ever had before. And I can tell you at the end, you're not gonna feel guilty about it either. 
believe that freedom is possible. And I'm talking, I have a heart for teenagers. For one, I'm not too far from it, but it's my job. Guys, freedom from lust is possible. It doesn't take till you're 25. It doesn't take till you're 35 or 45. It doesn't take till you're married. In fact, it's not gonna get better when you get married. Right now, freedom from lust is possible now. So as we're answering that question, how far can you go? If, you're, if, 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 if that's a question you've been asking, how far can I go? I want you to know it's not how far can you go. You're asking the wrong question. The question is how can I flee sin altogether? How can I flee sin altogether? Maybe not how close can I get to sin, but how can I honor Christ with my whole life? And so what I wanna do is I wanna give you time to confess and to repent today. I'm gonna give you time to confess and to repent before the Lord today. I think often the greatest evil that we bring upon ourselves is hiding our hearts. Right, it's really easy to sit in a big room like this social distanced, maybe we have our own rows. It's really easy to praise God and walk out and never deal with what's going on inside of our hearts. Right, I wanna give us time to repent and to confess today. And so maybe you're wondering, what in the world is this big black cage that's, the curtain's falling off a little bit now that I see. Well, let's see if I can get this going here. Right, I want this, this cage, this prison maybe to, to symbolize our hearts today. I want it to symbolize of the human heart. And if you notice, we got nice red lights just so you can remember that it's the, it's the, uh, it's the human heart. What we gotta understand is that as we, as we come into buildings like this, you know, oftentimes we have this, we have this mess that's in our hearts. And we have things piled up that we have never addressed. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to, to enter our hearts, right? Maybe this sounds weird. It might, kind of does, feels weird. I want us to enter our hearts and I want us to search. Hey, what do we got going on in here? Kind of looks messy. Hey, this one's not too bad. What about this one? I think some of us, right, we got a whole lot of boxes. We got a whole lot of boxes of lust that are sitting in our hearts. And it's about time. It's about time that we believe that freedom from lust is possible and that we don't have to deal with it forever. It's about time to rid our lives of these, of these, lustful, of these lustful things. And so for some of us, maybe it is money. For some of us, maybe it is power. Maybe for some of us, it is popularity. There's all kinds of lusts that can happen in our hearts. And so I didn't write any kinds, just wrote lust in general. But I think for most of us, I think there's a very specific reason that Jesus used uh, the sexual lust idea because I think that's the one that we bury the most. We bury the most. And so what I want you to do, I want you to take, I want you to take a, a minute. I want you to take a minute and to truly look into your life. What do you got going inside your heart? What do you got going on inside of your heart? Hey, maybe it's messy, but it's not so bad. But maybe you got boxes that look like this inside your heart. And you've been rolling around with this for a long time. And so what I'd encourage you to do today is just, is before, we, before we enter a time of communion, you know, Jesus says, examine your heart, right? Come to the table. Come to the table in a worthy manner. So what I wanna do is I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lay this down here, right at the altar. 
And if there's something that you gotta take care of before we enter the communion supper today, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. And so uh, I thought about, you know, writing some, some boxes, hey, lust of this, lust of that, lust of that. And in my head, you know, I'm just picturing, oh, people are gonna flood down to the altars. It's gonna be such a powerful thing. And then I'm thinking, I don't think people are really gonna run to the altar saying, yeah, man, I got a lust problem, right? I don't really think people are gonna be, be excited to do that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna encourage you, if you wanna come down to the altar, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you have a problem this way or that way. It's something that you gotta handle between you and God. So if you wanna come down to the altar, please do. And if not, if you wanna stay in your seat and you wanna deal with that personally between you and God, do that, all right? And so in just a minute, in just a minute, we are gonna, end, we are gonna go to the communion table. And so take a minute, confess and repent. Get rid of the things that are in your heart. I'm telling you, freedom from lust is possible today. Believe that. Let's take some time to confess and get rid of the things that are in our heart. I just have one quote that I want to leave you with today when it it refers to lust. And you're going to have to think a little bit on this one, all right? It's It's a poetic thing, all right? Poems. When the butterfly asked the owl how she should deal with the fire which had burned her wings, the owl counseled her not to behold so much as its smoke. I'm not sure if that landed or if it went right over our heads. Let me read it one more time. When that butterfly asked the owl how she should deal with the fire which had burned her wings, the owl counseled her not to behold so much as its smoke. All right, and so in the area of lust, cut it off, right? Don't, it's not how far we can go. It's how can I honor Christ with my whole heart? Pastor Pat. Some things to take home with you today and to apply in our lives. Jesus didn't say these things uh, just as an exercise in uh, public speaking. He wants us to apply it. Halt, cut it off, and believe. Believe that you can have freedom. There is a cure. His name is Jesus. Let's stand as we go and just take a minute for a prayer of blessing over all of you that these things that you're challenged with, you'll be able to daily put into practice. Lord, thank you for this encouraging word. Thank you for your word of truth. God, help us to make these, the the words that you've said apply in our lives. And God, I pray that you would bless every single soul in this sanctuary with that and every single person who's joining, touching through whatever media, God, that you would bless them to be able to walk with you to be able to find number three that we heard about today, the cure, Jesus. Bless your people, God. Now raise your hands for the blessing. Lord, bless your people. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that passes our understanding 
keep every heart and every mind and every soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.